0: This is the Beyond the Profi podcast, the podcast that empowers you and inspires you to seek career excellence while pursuing your passion. And I'm your host, Jasmine Haley. The Pro-Pie podcast. I am eager to start this conversation. This is one that's near and dear to my heart. For the month of February is Black History Month, and we also know it's a, the um, National Children's Health Month. And there's so many things that are a huge priority in many dental professionals' lives, especially when it comes to increasing public health. But for me, as a fellow podcaster, influencer, speaker, um, one big aspect of my life is my culture, and as an African-American person of color, um, it is something that embodies everything that affects my life, the way I communicate, and I thought it would be an, an awesome experience to put together some amazing rock star hygienists of color, um, and for us to talk about subjects that aren't really discussed and things that we may experience, just to help uh enlighten the listeners to uh, another perspective and perspective of which um, of course surrounds our love of dental hygiene and dentistry in general. So I just want to welcome all the amazing women. I will allow them to introduce themselves because um, there's too many for me to introduce. (laughs) So let's start off with the first one, the first beautiful brown face I can see. Alicia, tell us who you are.
1: Hi, I am Alicia Maria. I'm a clinical dental hygienist based out of Washington, D.C. I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan. I am also a public health grad student. I'm expected to walk um, summer 2021. I'm also executive director of a 501c3 nonprofit organization, Hygienists for Humanity, um, that's geared to helping in the poverty cycle. I'm also vice president of D.C. Dental Hygienists Association and I am really passionate about dental hygiene.
0: Awesome. Thank you for coming, Alicia, and being on the call today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And yes, Alicia was in episode one of this podcast. So if you want to get to know her more personally, you can definitely check that out. Okay. Laverne Thomas, let us know about who you are to the listeners.
2: Hi. So my name is Laverne. Um, I've been a practicing dental hygienist for a little bit over nine years. Um I'm currently uh the clinic coordinator and clinic um instructor at Fortis College in Landover. Um I've worked in public health for a while and this is a new role that I just um I've been in for about 6 months. Um I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's definitely, you know, different and I'm also currently the president elect of the National Dental Hygienists Association. Um I just love being hygienist. I don't think I could have been doing anything else that would make me this happy, but I love it.
0: Awesome. All right, next up is Nicole Phillips.
3: Hi, everyone. Thank you so much, Jasmine, for uh, having me on this podcast. I have been practicing since 1996. I'm out of Chicago, Illinois, and I work, uh, I do a couple of roles right now. I do some clinical, but I've pretty much stopped doing clinical and been able to step out of that arena and go into some management. So I work for Young Dental as the Midwest lead uh, for the young clinical representatives uh, in the Midwest. And then I'm also a national project manager for a company called Focal Therapy, which is a new fluoride technology. Uh, And I've been able to work with you, Jasmine, um, with that project, um, and it's been wonderful working with other hygienists of color in that capacity. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. um, We have Brittany Harris next. All right,
4: hi everyone. My name is Brittany Harris. Um, I have been practicing dental hygiene since 2013 in the Washington, DC. and Hyattville area. I work in a small family practice. I actually work with a family member, so that has been interesting since day one. Um, I'm currently in the process of trying to apply, to go back to school to further my education, to get my master's. My, my goal eventually is to teach. Um, So that is where I am right now. And I also recently reconnected with our association, the DC component of the American Dental Hygienist Association, and I am very interested in the legislative aspect. So we have been doing big things and then also um, just getting to know some really great people. So I'm excited to have this conversation and I look forward to learning about everyone's experience and hopefully sharing my own.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, the, D, the DMV is well-represented tonight. <laughs> it is. It's well represented. <laughs> All right, let's have Nairi Dawson. Thank you so much. Hello,
2: everyone. My name is Nairie Dawson. I am a clinical hygienist and also a clinical dental hygiene instructor at Porter's College. I've been a dental hygienist for about seven years now. I'm looking forward to the podcast and meeting oh. all the women. I know a great deal of them already, but the other women that's here, I would love to get to meet, and know them
0: as well. Yes, absolutely. And hopefully this conversation continues on, um, as well as off the camera, off the recording, <laughs> which I'm sure it will. All right. Uh, last but not least, um, I was just going to say my boo, but I'm going to say my boo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Siobhan Healy. Hello,
5: dental hygiene community. I am Siobhan, um, uh, president of the D.C. Dental Hygienist Association, living in D.C. by way of Boston. I've actually been in the dental profession for 18 years. I started off as or started out as a um, multifactorial dental assistant. Um, I've been a dental uh, dental hygienist for 12 years. I graduated from Phone School of Dental Hygiene, the first dental hygiene school in the world. I'm very proud of that. Um, Currently um, at the tail end of a master's degree. Um, Currently just trying to break boundaries in every area of dentistry, um, especially with what I'm doing with the implant care practitioner, getting dental hygienists into oral surgery. So I am also very excited um, to be here and a passionate dental hygienist as well.
0: Awesome. I mean, we've got a rock star group of amazing, amazing hygienists here, and I cannot wait to dig in. Um, What I really appreciate about everyone that's here, I feel like we're almost representing almost all of the roles of a dental hygienist. We have public health, we have educators, we have entrepreneurs, we have clinical hygienists, we have those who are Um, advocating, we heard legislative, we see all different roles here, and I think that's what really keeps the passion alive for all of us, because we're branching out and thinking beyond the pro feed when it comes to our roles. But just considering where you are, and what many people don't really think about, when it comes to being a hygienist of color, what does it feel like when you see a hygienist of color being represented as a leader, as an educator, as a key opinion leader in the magazines that you look at? Like, what does that feel like to you, or even to the students or others that you may know that are also of color?
5: Well, I guess I can start off, um, Siobhan. I I can say that I'm actually, I'm not seeing that until now. Um, And many of those faces are, Faces on the the call tonight, but I can tell you that it was a culture shock for me um, And it, when I was practicing and living in Boston Oftentimes I was the only without even realizing it because I'm actually biracial. I'm half black and half white So I didn't see color um, and I didn't notice the um, The fact that at home um, That I was the only Woman of color in dentistry until I moved to DC and walked into my first dental office and saw not only um, African American women uh, dental professionals but male professionals as well. So it was an eye opener for me. Um, but like I said, it's it's that's a challenging question to ask because um, we don't we don't see it enough. Um, it makes me very proud when I when I do see faces. Um, currently I think that it's starting to be thanks to social media I think that the awareness is being spread uh, more and um, I do look forward to seeing more more of the diversity
3: I can say uh, Jasmine this is Nicole uh, that one of the issues that I've had with the field of dental hygiene is when it comes to conferences Uh, I have attended thousands of hours of CE and seen hundreds of speakers um, across the country. And very few of those speakers are women of any sort of ethnic group, Asian, Indian, Black, um, you know, South Pacific, nothing. So now that more and more people like yourself, especially Jasmine, starting this Beyond the Profi conference, where we see a black face taking the lead in dental education at conferences that is a big deal at least for me because it it over the years over the last 22 years it's been kind of really a drag to go to these conferences and not see myself or any ethnic group represented as far as speakers are concerned most of the speakers are older white women or older white doctors who are males. And -hmm. it's just so nice to see that uh, the tide is changing a little. I'd like it to change more, of course, but um, we're starting to see more and more people of color being viewed as experts in our field and being viewed as people who are worth listening to at conferences. So it's a big deal. I I think that it's great, um, but it really has an impact, I think, on any person of color when they walk into a room full of Five hundred people, and they don't see anyone that looks like them.
0: One of one of the comments that I received on the um, Mom Jenna Safe Place for Mom Jenna's Facebook group um, really took me aback because the person that was trying to gain access into the group actually wrote and said, "I saw your face," um, and I'm not I'm not saying it verbatim but she was like, I saw your face and I saw what you're doing in your career. And it just gave me hope. And I was just like, what? (laughs) I I just feel like, you know, I barely get any downloads (laughs) on the podcast and I'm, I'm just hoping people are watching and listening and, and feel sometimes also feel like, man, what am I doing this for? Because um, when we get to the next question that I have for you, there are some ugly truths that are out there, that um, unfortunately we we may see in our industry or even with the patients that we that we treat. But for me, seeing someone of an ethnic background that doesn't have to be someone that's African American, just like Nicole said, someone that is Asian, someone that's you know um, Hispanic, um, whatever background as long as there's some diversity i feel that it can help so many people who are holding back who don't feel like they have a voice true
2: very very true and and to to speak on that um as you all know or as i've said before currently i am the president-elect of the national dental hygienists association now this association is a minority association and every year when we have our conference, I mean, I have enjoyed it for nine years since I've been a hygienist. I've been a part of this association because I get to see people like me every time I go. But all of our speakers have always been, you know, <laughs> not anyone that looks like me. So, you know, in the next, next year, we're going to be in D.C. And I'm hoping since next year I'll be president. I want all the speakers to look like me or at least a majority of the speakers to look like me. Like, I think we need to change. And the problem about all of that is sponsorship and everything like that. They're not, it, it's not like ADHA at all. They're not running to give us money, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're working hard every year to increase our membership. And, and a lot of people really don't know about the NDHA. So we're just trying to let everyone know, hey, we're here if you want to see people that look like you, we're here. We've been here and we're going to be here. You know what I mean? So it, it, it's definitely been a challenge because every year, like the last two years I planned it and I haven't been able to get a lot of um, African-American speakers and it's because they're not a lot available. And then to, getting sponsorship isn't easy. But, you know, they're not like I said, they're not throwing the money at us. We're literally begging for it. And we're a volunteer organization. So everyone's volunteering their time. But, you know, I'm just hoping that things are going to change. So I'm hoping next year, you know, once our convention comes around in D.C., you know, we get to see faces that look like us.
0: Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. You know, when you are in an area and you may be the only person and then you catch the eye of just one person that looks similar to you and you do that, that, (laughs) you know, it does make you feel like, okay, I'm okay. But I love that you mentioned that about the NEHA. Um, I actually do want to talk about that towards towards the end, um, because I had a very interesting conversation today with a young lady um, that is in school right now. So just going back to that same question again, does anyone else want to share how it makes them feel or why you think it's important for us to have that diversity when it comes to uh, seeing the leaders in our organization, seeing KOLs, key opinion leaders, seeing speakers, seeing writers who come from our background.
1: I'd like to speak to that, Jasmine. This is Alicia. Um, As a public health advocate, I think that seeing diversity in leadership is very important um, because what we know is a lot of ethnic minorities are the larger part of oral health disparities. So if we have Um, more diversity in leadership, I believe it would trickle down and we'd see less oral health disparities. We had more people to advocate for those who look like themselves. Um, I actually went to a predominantly African-American dental hygiene school in Detroit, Michigan, Wayne County Community College. And through that um, education, I was introduced to Wolverine Dental Hygienist Society. And that is a component of the National Dental Hygienist Association. And it was, to me, like the Olympics of dental hygiene because all of the women there were leaders in, you know, clinical hygiene and education. But it was a shock to me the very first time I went to um, the American Dental Hygienists Association's conference because I looked around and I didn't see any attendees that looked like me, um, let alone, you know, presenters or educators. So it makes me feel really happy to see diversity and it's more so um, makes me happy because it makes me feel as though we're going to have more people to advocate for public health and ethnic minorities
0: okay, we'll come back to that so great thing about podcasting is you get to edit out whatever Jasmine you want.
5: Jasmine jasmine, jasmine yeah. i wanted I wanted to add um, because I'm not sure if this is Siobhan, if everybody on the call is aware of how you and I met, but we actually met at ADHA, we were in a focus group, um, and we along with Yolanda Josie Baker, who is also a member of DC we're the only women of color in the room, and that's how we caught each other each other's attention. But I, I will say, as much as I, I, I love ADHA, um, I can I can say that they awareness is is it's it's being spread, and I think that they are um, definitely open to hearing us. When I was on the House floor last year, I did pose the question. To the um, to the candidates, what are you going to do to bring more diversity to the American Dental Hygiene Association? And um, I didn't like the answer that that I got it, it really didn't answer the question, but but it's true What are you going to do to bring more diversity? Um, to this profession and so a lot of us are stepping up there, and we are asking these these tough challenging questions and sometimes Jasmine and I we go back and forth it's it's not that um we 're not invited but where but where are the women of color who are who are stepping up um That was something that i was i where are there, where are there women of color who are writers where are the women of color who are speakers um and so forth and so that 's something that I was wondering you know it's not it's not that we're not welcome, but, but where are we? Uh we, You know what I'm saying?
1: Uh
0: I think, um, to, to break boundaries or those barriers that, um, that may be existing and, and, and to many they're invisible. It takes a huge amount of courage. Um, and you almost have to come in there with a mindset of not even considering race or ethnicity, if that's the best thing that I can tell you or explain. And the reason why I say that is if you think about every single um, negative thing that occurs or has happened or some of the ugly truths that we're going to talk about this evening, you would drive yourself stir crazy. You would think that it would be almost nearly impossible for you to accomplish anything because of some of the things that I've seen and me branching out and, and trying to think beyond the profi. It, it does require you to develop a mindset of courage, but one of positivity acknowledgement that some of some of the barriers do exist, no matter how many times you think that people are open to it and um, just keep pushing forward, understanding what your purpose and your passion is. Let me ask this question. Cause I feel like we're skirting around it a little bit and <laughs> um
1: get to it yeah let's just let's get to it
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, so what are the ugly truths that hygienists of color have to face what are they and tell from your personal experience
1: from my personal experience jasmine i feel as though i have to show up and be extraordinary when I show up because people are expecting the least from me. And when they get the most from me, they're surprised. But I feel as though, as a hygienist of color, I have it much harder in a city like Washington DC where the majority of patients that I practice with or treat um, are not minorities. And when they see me for the first time, because I'm a relatively new hygienist, you always get that kind of shocked look on their face. And they're like, oh, this is my hygienist. And then they, you have to overperform and they leave with a higher appreciation. And most times they end up requesting to see you again, but it's the initial shock and you can see it on their face when you greet them in the lobby. Um, but that is one of the ugly truths that I've had to face is that um, being good is not good enough. You have to be amazing.
4: This is Brittany. I would love to piggyback on that story. Um, so the year that I graduated from hygiene school, I worked at several different offices just to get a feel for what I the type of environment that I wanted to work in. So I actually worked at an office in Bethesda in a very affluent area. And um, of course I was the only minority in the office. I think probably the only minority, you know patient provider, anything in that area. And so one particular patient um, I saw, we had no problems. Everything went very well, but I was new. So at first she was apprehensive, but the appointment went without incident. It was great. And I just remember standing outside of the operatory and hearing her tell the doctor during the exam, oh, the little black girl did a really good job. I was surprised and that really hurt my feelings because i felt like she stripped me of everything that i had earned accomplished i was not a hygienist to her i was not a provider of care i literally was the little black girl and i went home that day and you know of course had my my little cry with my mom <laughs> and i had to really encourage myself to get back up on my horse because You know, you can't let one person um, steal steal your shine or dim your light. But I just remember feeling like everywhere I went after that, I would have to prove myself beyond just being the little black girl. And so that was one particular hardship that I faced very early on in my career. And it sort of molded and shaped the type of hygienist that I decided that I wanted to be. And I'm grateful for it because it actually encouraged me and inspired me to go beyond, you know, whatever expectations or whatever bar that I had already set for myself. And it inspired me to be better than everyone else everywhere I went. And so actually now I mostly practice with um, people of color. So I don't really have those types of challenges anymore, but it definitely... Um, like I said, molded and shaped the type of hygienist that I wanted to be just based on hearing that one comment, you know, only a week or two into being, being a professional hygienist in the public setting.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. That was powerful. That was powerful. In fact, I remember getting an email from a influencer, KOL. Um, she, is, she is white and she said, you know, I need help. Because I was approached by a young woman who had a patient treat her just like how Brittany did. And she wanted to write about it. But um, she just wasn't sure how to go about and share her feelings. And as a KOL of, you know, being of Caucasian background, she didn't know how to explain to her because her experience is not that. When you live in the Midwest and most of the people that you look like, oh, uh, well, look around, look like you, you don't really understand what some hygienists have to go through just because of, of their cultural background. So um, hopefully that article will come out soon for her to share her experience at some point. But um, what Brittany and Alicia have stated is, is so real. It's so real.
3: I can say that, um, Sorry. Uh, One of the things that I'm always surprised about is when I do go to conferences or uh, just see people at meetings, they're almost surprised to hear that I'm a hygienist. They assume that I'm an assistant or office staff or which there's nothing wrong with any of those positions. But why wouldn't you assume that I'm the doctor? Why would you assume less anything less? Well, you probably assume less because you saw that I was brown instead of something else, so that's some that's that's a true reality that uh people deal with and that like like Alicia was saying, people are almost shocked when they walk into the operatory and see you, and uh you do have to perform you have to you know know what you're talking about, sound like you're well educated. I think people assume so much about education. Um, And they don't understand. One of the things that I, I didn't know anything about the NDHA um, until a few years back. And one of the things I was most surprised and but really happy about was a lot of the hygienists who are part of that organization have master's degrees and PhDs. They're teaching at universities. These women are highly educated. But I've never seen an article written by them or seen them speak. And I don't necessarily believe that it's just because they're not reaching out. I believe that they are underrepresented because people don't know or realize or understand how well-educated they are and what sort of leaders they are in dental hygiene. So it, it's, um, it's very true that people, people have a lot of assumptions about race that they don't even realize that they have sometimes. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, so this is Laverne, that's, that's so true that you say that. So one of our past presidents, actually, um, Dr. Tracy Moore, she has written a few articles in the last few years. And um, when I was at work the other day, it was so weird. I was going through something on the computer and I saw an article of hers, but I don't think it was published anywhere. Or if she did try to, it probably, you know, didn't really make it that far. But to speak on you guys' experience, I haven't had any experiences in office since I've been practicing. My experience was when I was in hygiene school. That was the worst experience. When I uh, first, I got my uh, associate degree from um, Northampton Community College in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Now that's the whitest area ever. And I was the only black student in my class. So out of 38 girls, it was just me. That experience, I I would I don't think I would ever want to do it again. But because I am where I am now, I'm grateful for it. But that was the worst experience. They just treated me like, you know, I, I, I don't know if it was just one, you know, and I met the quota and that was it. But it was, you know, anything that I did, it was just blown up into maybe you can't do this maybe this is not for you are you sure this is what you want to do and i they tried everything to get me to drop out but of course it didn't work but um it was it was a really trying experience but once i became a hygienist i guess most of the areas that i've worked in have been with Um, minorities and and people of color, any dentist that I've worked for. I do work part-time in private practice for a white dentist that works in Suitland, and he's been amazing, and I've been there for about six years part-time. But um, being in practice, I've never really had any of those experiences that you guys have had, thank God. You know, I, I really appreciate that. I think it's just the age thing. They look at me and they're like, Oh, you're too young to be a hygienist or you're too young to have, you know, you might, you probably have just been doing this for a year. So that's, that's the only thing I've experienced in office.
5: So I would just like to add to that. Um, for, it's it's not just how the patients react to you. It's also how the staff reacts to you. When I graduated from dental hygiene school in 2006, um, this was before the social media days, so it was old school. Uh, you know, I I looked in the newspaper. There was a want ad um, by a periodontist who was looking for a dental a dental hygienist. Um, my mom is of Irish background, so my name is Irish. So I sent him my resume, but when I showed up, he wasn't expected, he wasn't expecting me and he was the only one in the office. Well, lo and behold, he did end up hiring me and it was, it was great. I worked with three other, um, Caucasian dental hygienists, but they had pulled me aside one day and they told me that before he decided to hire me, he had to let them know that I was, I was a colored girl. And I was just like, colored girl. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> this is 2006. Um, so like I said, b- b- before the days of, of social media, um, I think that, it, you know, they, now they can kind of, um, filter it. You know what I mean? If you send in a resume, they will check you out on Facebook. Sure. Will. Um, but I remember walking in there and, and his face, it's just, I was, I think he was expecting an Irish girl and not a colored girl. But that just made me laugh. And um, when I went back home, and I, I was telling my mom about it, and, um, you know, because I always, like I said, I don't see color. And one thing that my mom said to me, and I will never forget, she said, because when I, when it would come to fill out uh, job applications, I would check off both, you know, black and Caucasian. And um, my mom said, well, people aren't going to see you. As, as biracial, they're not gonna see you as white. She said, um, if you have, as long as you have one drop of black blood on you, you know, you're gonna be seen as black. So say it loud I'm black and I'm proud. <laughs> the so
0: I don't know if you've ever watched um, Scandal, um, and this is a good reference, guys, okay?
1: <laughs> Wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: Harry Washington's father was talking to her and he said to her, you have to walk twice as hard.
2: Yes. And mm-hmm. as
0: I'm going to put it out there as an African-American woman, um, starting my own business, getting into the speaking world. I believe that is true and everything, but especially when you don't see yourself represented represented as an influencer, There's nobody else I can call on right now that I can think of. When I asked a mentor, a potential mentor, do you know any African-Americans who have really gone far in leadership, who in speaking? This woman who had been in our industry for over 40 years could only think of one, which was the president of ADHA, which happened like eons ago. And so the reason why I'm bringing that up is there's been instances, some of the ugly truths that happen is, you know, being a creative person, being an innovator, I'm always constantly flowing with ideas. And I was working with a particular organization, writing articles over and over over again, asking, almost pleading for them to put me into print. And they would say, oh, no, 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 we're going to use it for for digital. We're going to use them for digital. I wrote for them for an extended period of time. We're not talking about one or two articles. This is several articles. They would never put me in print. And then the first question that comes in my mind is, is it because of my color? Because nobody else looks like me in their magazine. The second thing that makes me think of this is I was writing for an organization and um, I was writing this piece about trying to think outside the box or what have you. And they explained to me that it's not working. This is not a good topic. This is not going going to work um, for us. But we want you to continue writing, you know, these other things that you're doing, but don't write on this topic. Literally, one or two months later, they have another writer essentially writing what I was writing, but of a different ethnicity that, that represents the majority. So, you know, you want to believe in all instances that you're putting out your all, you're giving your quality, and you can't help but think, could this possibly be because I don't represent the majority, where essentially what I'm saying is just as valuable and even more so as far as quality, just as good as the other uh, products that are being put out. So those are, that's just my take on it. Um, I do feel like you have to work twice as hard, um, and it's something that I often have to bury and not reflect on too much, because if I did, I would allow it to stop me from pursuing the goals that I've been setting forth for myself.
5: And it's interesting that you, that you have, because I've had that experience with that same publication, and it's funny because if you go to their conference, That is the most diverse conference that I've ever been to. Mm -hmm. So it's like their, their following is diverse, but what they're putting out there is, is only representing, you know, one, one area of, of the type of hygienist.
0: Yeah. When you, when you look at our, um, Alicia just posted a, a statistic, um, it's over 80%. Caucasian, Asians are the second most common ethnicity um, in, in dental hygiene. I think that's what Alicia was referring to. But when you look at that, um, you just, you, it just makes you wonder why, and that's why I asked the first question about what, what does it feel like when we see someone that represents um, a different culture or some diversity in the leaders? It just makes you wonder, like, why isn't there more representation? what's the hangup because just on this call right here are some amazing, how many of us are in there? Seven, eight. I mean, just amazing hygienists that are on this call. We're all highly intelligent. We all have something to offer. We all have our strengths. Um, and I just, it needs to be celebrated more. So I just want to celebrate you guys, you know, just say y'all the bomb. Okay. <laughs>
1: thanks jasmine can I, can I speak to that um as far as representation in um, professional hygienists, mm-hmm. I honestly wanted to get into dentistry to be a dentist. I didn't know that dental hygiene was a career option because no one ever came to my elementary, middle, or high school one mm-hmm. career day to tell me that dental hygiene was a viable career that you know yields endless you know rewards um, mm-hmm. so I think in broadening the diversity in the profession of dental hygiene. I think it takes a lot more representation in middle and high schools um, to let younger students know that this is an option. And I also think it goes back to the vulnerable populations. If you don't visit a dental office, you don't know that there's a dental hygienist. And most people who are suffering from oral health disparities, they don't see a face that looks like theirs when they go in for emergency treatment. And most people are only being seen for emergency treatment. So they never have the opportunity to experience a dental hygienist. And even times now in my family, and I've been a hygienist for six years, I have some family members that think I'm a dentist and some think I'm an assistant. No one would ever say Alicia's a dental hygienist. And my letters behind my name say RDH, but they still think I'm a dentist or an assistant. There's very few that know that I'm a dental hygienist. So I think it just goes back to educating um, the masses in our communities that um, have a pre- predominant um, minority population and let them know that dental hygiene is a viable career option.
2: I do, I do a
6: lot of career days. Now, back, I go back to my old high school. I go back to my elementary school, because my story is a lot like Alicia's. I thought I wanted to be a dentist, so I got my bachelor's before I even became a dental hygienist. And, and I didn't know what a dental hygienist was either, until really I started to pursue, you know, like thinking, okay, maybe I want to be a dentist. So I realized that a lot of us don't realize what we do. And we do need to have more exposure, definitely.
0: Let me ask you this. Um, how can we support the new student hygienists of color? Um, and and when, I, when I reference listeners of color, I'm talking about all um, ethnic backgrounds. Um, we definitely certainly don't wanna miss the fact that we support all hygienists. We're all amongst the this, um, this sisterhood of, of dental hygiene, but there are some unique experiences, culturally speaking. So what could we do to support that new student? to help them realize that there is more out there than what they're receiving. Uh, Alicia point out something as far as getting the ones who are are currently in elementary school, middle school, high school, yes, I think that's very, very important because I came from a disadvantaged background and had no idea what roles were present. I had to learn that over time. But let's talk about those who are actually in dental hygiene school. Or have recently graduated. What can we do to support them more and help them to appreciate the opportunities that are out there?
4: This is Brittany. Um, that actually speaks to one of my personal long-term goals. So, one of the things that I think that we can do is just be more present in academia. So, be the professors. Be the people that are on the admissions boards. Be the directors of the programs um, that are admitting, and then. excuse me, admitting, and then also grooming the future dental hygienists. Um, I know with my program specifically, you know, and a lot of other programs that have been mentioned already, you know, being a Brown girl, there were maybe three of us in a class of 30 or 40. And um, in my particular program, I had the opportunity to serve on the admissions committee for one of the incoming classes. And I noticed the, potential candidates and, you know, my personal perspective of each candidate and what I thought they were capable of. And then, you know, my peers and then the directors of the program, I noticed a huge difference in what they considered to be prospective candidates. So, you know, people that I thought were absolutely amazing, they didn't even give them a chance and vice versa. You know, people that I thought were probably not going to make it through the first semester. They thought that they were stellar. They wanted to give them awards and scholarships before they even actually got into the program. So there's definitely a huge difference in the perspective of students that are even being admitted into the program based on who is already there admitting them. So I think that we should definitely play a role in who is becoming the next hygienist, um, who is shaping their experience while they're in school. Um, you know, being able to have someone on your faculty that looks like you. um, That makes a huge difference in, you know, how confident you are, how you feel. Like Laverne said, you know, if the people around you are telling you you can't do it, you probably are going to think for a few days that you cannot. But if someone is there telling you that you can, it's going to make a huge difference in the type of provider that you become. So just being more present in education Um, I think will make a huge difference. And that's definitely something that I'm trying to do in the future.
0: I love that. Yes. I love that. The only way we're going to make change is get in those leadership roles.
2: That's very true. And I agree with Brittany. I had that same exact experience um, being on a committee for a year and seeing the candidates that came in. And I was really shocked by the comments that were made. And I'm like, uh, you guys know I'm still here, right? And <laughs> I'm hearing this, right? It was, I, I mean, it still shocks me to today when I think about it. it it's amazing. <laughs> it's just crazy. But currently I'm doing the same thing um, on, uh, um, you know, making those decisions or helping to make those decisions. And I still see the same thing. I still see it. Mm.
0: So let's talk about NDHA. Let's talk about that. Um, this is getting towards the end of our, our discussion tonight. But today I actually had the benefit. I decided to get out the house a little bit um, and work on the Colgate van today, which was pretty cool. And awesome. I met a beautiful, beautiful hygienist, um, just happened to be of color. And we had a quick discussion and she didn't know anything about NDHA. This is her second year. And what's very interesting about her is that she has a faculty member of color that's in leadership in her, in her program. And, wow. I'm, and I'm like, man, this is, this is tough. You know, One of the things that I do in, in public health is go over organizations and talk about the ones that are out there, including the NDHA. But you find many programs out there that don't reference it at all such as the schools that I went to. Right. right. It was only ADHA, which is why I got out and was only ADHA. And I remember one time this hygienist asked me, I was at Temple University and she said, what are you a member of? And I said, oh, I'm a member of the ADHA. And she said, um, okay. So what about the NDHA basically? You know right. what? What are you doing to support that? And I, I was just, I was dumb. I didn't have an answer for her because I was never educated on that. And so I think it's important for people to understand that at one time, hygienists of color could not be a part of the the American Dental Hygienists Association, which is why the NDHA was created. And so we're. It's not encouraging separation, but what it is is that it is still. Um, Maintaining the legacy of an organization that was meant for supporting hygienists, all hygienists that weren't initially included. And so I definitely don't want to say that there's anything negative I want to say about ADHA because a lot of where I am today is because of the, the support they've given me in my career. But I do think it's important for us to not forget the importance of NDHA. So how can we do that? How can we really stress that effort? And why is it important for us to still support that organization?
2: So this is Laverne. Um, I'm glad you said that because you said exactly what I was going to mention about why the organization was originally started. And that was the exact reason the organization was started, you know. So um, Ernestine Gates, she started this um, organization in Missouri. And because she just wanted to get the hygienist, the minority hygienists, together so they can feel like they had something that they can, you know, come together and, and talk about as well. Um, and currently, that's one of our main things that we're focused on, especially this year, is growing our membership. And we also discuss, uh, you know, you go to hygiene school and what, what do you see? ADHA, SADA. You don't see NDHA. A lot of students don't know it NDHA exists. So that's our goal currently to increase our membership and just let everyone know that we're here. Yes, I agree with you, Jasmine. This is not about separation, but our association is here. It's been here and it's been here, you know, because we weren't allowed to have be a part of um, ADHA. Um, and for myself, I think it's really, really important for us to understand that, um, we have to support each other because if we don't, our organization is going to get to a point where we may not exist anymore. And every year we're just trying to increase our membership and, um, reach out to schools. So that's one thing we're doing now. We're reaching out to schools, letting them know that we're here currently at Fortis. I, I was talking to uh, one of the other instructors there she just got her doctorate and I'm so proud of her I think it's amazing and she's a brown girl and I love it and um you know I was talking to her I'm like what do they do here when I first started and she said yeah it's it's SADA it's ADHD." and I was like okay well we need to change that since I'm here I'm hoping that you know this is somewhere we can start and just introduce it and let everyone know oh you have options and you know just um Offering our scholarships, letting them know that that's available as well. And I've told many students about it, even a few of the um, African American students that were in recently and minority students. Even one of the hygienists that I work with, she's Hawaiian. And I'm like, yes, we're a minority association. It's not just African Americans. You know, we're here for anybody, but we represent minority hygienists. So I think it's 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 extremely important. Like I said, we just have to support each other. And um, we're just bringing awareness to let everyone know we're here and we're trying not to go anywhere. <laughs> but, you know, we're just hoping that we can put our name out there even more and every year just increase our membership so we can be just like ADHA and sometimes the unfortunate thing is when our uh, conventions come around we'll have like a lot of times we'll see different faces every time and then maybe a few year, years later we'll see one of the people from before but you know our our sponsor like i said our sponsorship is not huge and a lot of the things that we do we volunteer our time we all work full time we all of course have families and all of that but we volunteer our time so sometimes it's harder for us but we're just trying to increase that sponsorship so that we're able to do more things and advertise. So everyone knows that we're here. Yeah.
6: I remember, um, when we, my first time at a NDHA conference, I actually, we, um, we did 88 HA when we were in hygiene school, our instructors never said anything about NDHA. So I didn't know about it until I was hired by a practice and they were African-American dentists and they told me about it. So Laverne and I met in Hawaii in 2010 and it was both of our first conventions. And we were like, why didn't we know about this in hygiene school? and And then they were discussing the scholarship opportunities and we saw these people getting awarded scholarships. And it was hard for me in hygiene school. And I was like, I did not know. Why didn't it tell us? Um, and then we, I think we decided, we looked at each other then and was like, this is something that we need to continue. We need to be a part of this. We need to help this grow. And that was 2010. And, and we've been in it um, ever since. Um, And it really is a... Uh, a wonderful thing to see people who look like you who have the same goals as you who can encourage you to do the and say hey you can do it like we have one like Laverne said Dr. Tracy is there there's another hygienist she's going to school to get her doctorate a lot of them are going to get their masters and they even encourage me to go and get their masters and my masters and so it is rewarding to see that we can advance we can do a good thing we can live a good and 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 happy life as hygienists like we can be successful because we see ourselves when we're 55 and 60 like there are 70 year old people still practicing hygiene um and they come to these conventions faithfully and and I I think it's an awesome experience and it doesn't take away from the adha like i go to my south carolina meetings the symposiums as well um but it, it is different because it's like i'm a spot <laughs> in those meetings mostly. um
1: a um, pretty so, spot yes i, I
6: love some, your accent some spot. they always you. <laughs> it comes naturally yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful so, i love it yeah thank you <laughs> So um, yeah, so I, I'm I'm the spot there, and then I go to the NDHA, and you know, you, it's like you meet your sisters, and Laverne and I only see each other like once a year, but you know, we pick up. It's a, you you build relationships that last. That's how I feel. The NDH is how it is with me. Yeah. You,
0: you know, I I appreciate all of all of the comments we we have definitely gone over but um i just i wanted to touch on that point because you know i am guilty of being an instructor for six years and not pushing that enough so i'm giving you my promise Laverne, that i am going to take more of an active role in trying to get students involved with ndha whether that's having you come to speak at the school um and and get a chance to to meet meet these students. Um, so without, without further ado, I just wanted to, um, say an announcement on here, um, which I'm very excited about. Siobhan and I are going to be at the National Dental Hygiene Association meeting this year. And I, I cannot wait. Um, it's a long time coming. We're going
5: to be speaking. We're just not going to be
2: there. We're going to be speaking. Yeah. Woohoo! Yes, awesome. I'm really excited about that.
0: I know it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing, and we're gonna tear it down. We're gonna we're <laughs> gonna just they're gonna be out their seats like this, like oh my goodness.
1: I <laughs> am excited to hear that, and I will be front and center at both lectures. I am looking Absolutely. forward to it.
2: Absolutely. And I'm hoping that when DC comes around and
0: it's my
2: um presidency. I can have you guys again as well. Yes,
0: without a doubt, without a doubt. So I, I think this is a beautiful relationship starting and a beautiful conversation we've had. I want to do this again because I feel like there's so much things that we weren't able to tackle, but um, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time and sharing and being um, and being vulnerable. Because it's not an easy thing to say out loud like this on a platform like this and, and really talk about some of the things that have been challenging, but what I hope is that um, there'll be some pearls taken from those who are listening, especially some decision makers that are out there, um, to consider about leading with more of a diverse voice in, in our industry. We will end in the, um, the discussion today. I just want to thank you so so much again
2: thank you jasmine for having having us us. thank you and here we come and ndha you better get
5: ready for us (laughs) oh we're ready (laughs) all right